Let Jesus this Lent hunt down and kill in you what is already killing you so you can live forever. Hey friends, I don't know if you heard this, I think it's a good thing, but they're actually cracking down on pesticide usage on farms even more. And farmers now, they're trying to find alternative means to set their products apart from the other farmers. So some farmers are actually experimenting with playing disco music to their cows. But if you ask me, it makes the beef taste like a little funky. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 202. Hope you enjoyed that. If it's your first time listening, we start every episode with a dad joke. I hope it brings a smile to your face. And either way, please rate and review this podcast if you're a first-time listener because it helps other people find it. The highest compliment you can pay me in this podcast is to share this with your family and your friends. So please do so in any way you deem necessary. But if you do so on social media, please tag us, especially on Instagram, at Thought, all spelled out. And you can find all of our information, our content, our contact info, all of our social media handles at manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. And while you're there, click on the subscribe button and you can be signed up for our weekly email newsletter. Uh, I just send out a psalm reflection every Wednesday. That's all you will get. And uh, it's a great way to uh, grow in your understanding of the readings as you prepare for Mass. And if you feel so inclined, click on the Give tab while you're on the website and you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month to support the financial cost of this podcast. If it's of benefit to you and you'd like it to be of benefit to more people, that's a great way to give back and ensure this podcast continues. So with all that being said, let's get into our joy junk in Jesus. A lot of joy this week, uh, a lot of opportunities to play Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. I had a great family dinner last night. My dad treated um, our whole kind of family dinner crew uh, to dinner, and it was really wonderful to just be out all together as a big family. And um, yeah, just really wonderful. Um, Shout out to uh, also to Mike and Lori, who I met on Sunday. Thank you for um, for listening and, um, yeah, for, for letting me meet you. It was great to meet you. Um, so that brought me a lot of joy. Uh, a lot of other things too, ministries going great and all of that. Uh, my junk is that I slept in. I stayed out too late last night, way later than I intended because I lost track of time having good, joyful conversations with people. And, uh, I came home much later than I intended. And, uh, it's a holiday today. I'm recording this on Monday. So thankfully it didn't throw me off too much, but I have a very set routine, and though even though you would think, you know, a parent of three young children would be begging for the opportunity to sleep in, um, most days it does not uh, work in my favor in the long run. I end up just getting totally thrown off, and um, that's what's been happening today. So trying to get it back together and reel it in to get everything done that I need to, but I lost some time this morning, so, you know, I needed it, but um, yeah, that's that's what happens got to reap the consequences when you stay up late, got to sleep. Uh, my Jesus moments, um, we had the right of election for those in OCIA this past weekend. It was really wonderful to see them all there at the cathedral with the bishop being formally received, and they had a lot of joy on Sunday when we were all together, and just really, it's really wonderful group. Um, it's, I always say that every year, but I just feel like each each year the group has a different charism, a different kind of community, and I just, I don't know, I really love this. So it's really great to see their joy, their connection to one another and them really being part of this great uh, church community uh, that they're becoming part of. So it's wonderful. So uh, with all that being said, hope you're having some joyful moments and Jesus moments, and uh, let's pray for one another in those junky moments, and let's get into our episode. Our episode always centers around the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, 
And this Sunday is the second Sunday of Lent, and we will be in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31b, that means partway through, verse 31, 31b to 34. If you remember the previous times we've been in Romans, uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome that was uh, divided between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews had been expelled from Rome by the Emperor Claudius for five years, and then they were allowed to return. And so the church in Rome became very Gentile Christian and had adopted a lot of maybe Gentile practices, had abandoned some of the Jewish practices that were typical of Christianity. And so there was conflict. And so they have all this tension about what does it mean to be Christian? What are the central beliefs that we have? And so Romans is really like one of the best theological discourses on faith and on what it means to be a Christian in the New Testament, because Paul is laying out, here is everything fundamentally that we believe in that we should share, and then we kind of do away with the rest. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot of amazing nuggets in uh, the gospel or in the, the um, letter to Paul from Paul to the Romans. In fact, a lot of our Protestant and evangelical brothers and sisters, there's a tradition of sharing the good news in a way that's called the Roman way. And all you need to do is quote some key verses from Romans in order to do that. There's some really, really good ones. So um, yeah, if you never sat down and read the book of Romans, it can be dense. That's about 16 chapters. It's uh, Paul's longest letter. Uh, but it is worth it. It is really, really, really well written. So uh, we're going to be reading, as I said, from that section. Uh, Pay attention here to what Paul is writing to this community to encourage them and help them to stay united against what the real enemy is. Not one another, not the traditions that they abandon or that they carry with them. Uh, Listen to what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but handed him over for us all, how will he not give us everything else along with him? Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who acquits us. Who will condemn? Christ Jesus it is who died, or rather was raised, who also is at the right hand of God, who intercedes, who indeed intercedes for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who can be against us? Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? I love the tenacity of this and just the sheer victory that Paul is writing about when you are with the Lord. And you know that oddly enough, what it reminded me of was that famous piece of dialogue by or that kind of monologue from the movie Taken from Liam Neeson. And Liam Neeson's actor, he plays a guy who has a background in uh, the military or as a spy or something like that. I think I've seen half this movie one time, but this is a very famous scene. Even if you've never seen it, you've heard of this scene. And his daughter is traveling abroad and she gets abducted and and, uh, he's on the phone with her trying to coach her what to do while this is happening. And uh, it's not successful. She's abducted and he ends up on the phone with the abductor. And if you forget, this is what uh, he says in my best uh, Liam Neeson impression. He says, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can I can tell you I don't have money. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Dun, dun, dun. Best Liam Neeson impression that I could do. Sorry about that. But um, I want to quote that whole thing because it it has that very kind of tenacious pursuit and defeat of the enemy that this passage has. And 
I don't want you to inf- to think of this then in thinking like God is some vindictive Liam Neeson secret agent type who's just going to totally annihilate your enemy. It's like, no, God is not an annihilator. Um, God is love. And so, but that that kind of reckless pursuit of our hearts is something that is very true of God. And what God is very passionate and averse to and wants to destroy completely is the way that sin affects us. You know, this reminds me of the fact that a parent will stop at nothing to protect their children. Like God is willing to fight for you as your parent, whether you realize it or not. He already went to hell and back for you in his battle to conquer sin and death. And he continues to fight for you every single day so that you'll know his love and that you'll receive it. So in one sense, God says like this, God is like being Liam Neeson to the enemy. But in another sense, he says it to us. Like we can get how he says it to the enemy. Like I'll hunt you down. You, you don't do anything to my children. Like that's easy to hear. But when I first read this, I heard him saying this to me and not to me as a person, but to the things in me that are not good for me. The sin, the attachment, the addiction, the things in all of us that are destroying us and abducting us from the life that we should be living. Like if we choose to hold on to things that are not good for us, the only solution is death. I'm going to say that again. If we choose to hold on to sin and to things that are not good for us, the only solution is death. Either these things will lead us to sin and destruction and death, or we need to die to ourselves to get rid of it so that we can live eternally with God in the next life. We are always called, no matter the circumstance, to come and die. That is what makes Jesus so threatening to the enemy. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the enemy, I think for a sliver of a moment, thought that he won. He thought that he killed God until he quickly realized that Jesus used death to defeat death and that he had been utterly defeated. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, Uh, The author of Hebrews says, Now since the children share in blood and flesh, he likewise shared in them, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who through fear of death had been subject to slavery all their life. This is what Paul elaborates on when he writes to the church in Corinth. Uh, In chapter 15, it's his great discourse on the resurrection and the implications of the resurrection. And 1 Corinthians 15, toward the end of it, in verses 54 to 57, Paul writes this, he says, And when this which is corruptible clothes itself with incorruptibility, and this which is mortal clothes itself with immortality, then the word that is written shall come about. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I actually switched two of those verses, but you get the idea that when we clothe ourselves with the righteousness of God, when we clothe ourselves with what Jesus won for us on the cross with that that gift of salvation, then, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Like, there, no harm can come to us. We do not need to be afraid. That is why that is the most frequent command in the Bible because it's true. Be not afraid. Do not fear. Have no fear. Because nothing can touch us when we conform our will to the Lord's. Nothing can come against us when we turn away from sin and receive the grace of God in the sacraments. Sure, 
life is not automatically going to be easy and sunshine and rainbows. Like things will still come against us, but whether it changes our ability to be close to the Lord, whether it affects us in the grand plan of salvation, I mean, there's no contest. Contest. The devil's power and ability is but a grain of sand in comparison to the mighty power of God. Things will come against you in this life, and it will feel like it is the end of the world sometimes. We have to ask ourselves, is it really? Often these like inconveniences and difficulties or moments of suffering, they only have as much power as we give them. If we can claim the victory and power of Christ over our lives, especially in those moments, and refuse to lose our faith or our peace, we will be untouchable, brothers and sisters. This season of Lent, this is an opportunity for Jesus to go like Liam Neeson on us, to hunt down and kill in us what is already killing us so we can live forever. Let Jesus, this Lent, hunt down and kill in you what is already killing you so you can live forever. Let the Lord do it. You cannot do it on your own. The work will be painful and difficult. It often can be, but death is the only way. C.S. Lewis once said that in the end, the end of time, there will only be two kinds of people. There will be those people who look at God and say, God, thy will be done. And there will be those who God looks at and says, thy will be done. You can choose to die as a result of your sin, or you can choose to die to sin and live in the grace of God forever. It's your choice. What do you choose? Brothers and sisters, that is what the second reading offers us this week, a reminder of the victory we have, the victory we have in Jesus Christ, that if God is for us, no one can be against us, that no one can bring a charge against God's chosen ones if we are living in the light of Christ. And if you are not, brothers and sisters, then Lent is a perfect opportunity to repent, to return back to the Lord with your whole heart, to acknowledge your sin, to name it and claim it so it no longer has power over you, and so the devil can no longer twist it into something it is not. You are not bad. You are not evil or immoral. The things we may choose to do can be immoral or evil, but that does not change the fact that you are a son or daughter of God who was created in his image and likeness, and you have inherent dignity, value, and worth. And the devil will spend his entire existence and your entire existence on this earth trying to convince you otherwise, that you are not good enough or that God is not worthy of your trust or your love or your worship. Because he knows when those two come together in relationship, us and God, nothing can come against us. Absolutely nothing can defeat us. And the devil is literally shaking in his boots at the reality that he has been completely destroyed by death, by his own weapon. And there is no victory possible for him. It is merely just a matter of who he can drag down with him as he falls to the mat, knocked out completely for all eternity. So brothers and sisters, the only path, the only way is death. Will you lose, will you allow what is in you to kill you? Or will you allow the grace of God to kill those things in you that are killing you so that you can live eternally with him forever? The choice is up to us. Let this Lent be a season where we choose rightly in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, turning away from sin, pursuing the Lord, and allowing those things in us that are not good for us to die. That we would say no to them so we could say a greater yes to the Lord. That's what fasting is all about. Withholding ourselves from things that are not good for us or practicing the art of saying no and having self-control 
and making sacrifice so that when the larger sacrifices come, when the difficulties come, when life inevitably gets hard, everything is put in its proper perspective. And we can recognize, is this really the end of the world? Because the end of the world would really be if I allow this and my sin and everything else in my life to kill and destroy me. But if I allow the Lord's grace to melt those things away and to heal me, there is no end. That's all I have for you, my brothers and sisters. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Amen.